It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool center. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Okay, all you Drive with Peter Vlahosen listeners on this Thursday, we're handing the program over to you. You know why? We don't have to go through any teams. There's no footy happening this week. Next week, of course, it's a completely different landscape. So we want you to get on the Temper of Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or the Scarborough Toyota open line at 13 12 55. Tell us about your topics. I know a lot has been said about the All-Australian squad. Did they get it right? And let's get the thoughts of my regular co-host on a Thursday in Kim Hagelin. Kim, good afternoon to you. G'day, Peter. Hello to you and and everyone out there, especially all our AFL uh, enthusiasts on a weekend, which I think is also worth discussing. I mean, the the amount of sort of backlash, I suppose, that we've got this Mm. buy. I thought the buy was introduced for other reasons. Now, this week, uh, we could easily just kick on with the way the season's been going. But does it whet your appetite? Can you, tell you, what can it you does take do. a pause and come back and, and follow more of what Collingwood have been doing and, and, and the Melbourne trend setting and then Geelong's runaway, Fremantle's presence? Is that enough? Can you have a rest or would you rather it continue this week? And I'll throw out two uh, little conundrums here. I, I'm quite comfortable with it. I think on one hand, it is supposed to be a marathon and it's a survival of the fittest and how you manage your players going into an AFL final series. So the home and away finishes, bang, right into the AFL final series. And again, as I mentioned, survival of the fittest, players go in sore, underdone, maybe they shouldn't play, all those big decisions need to be made. But then on the other hand, Kim, the positive in my opinion is also those players that have got a bit of a, a niggle and uh, a bit sore that may not get up in the first week mm, mm. have got a chance to recover. So all of a sudden we may get a better standard of final because a lot of the players are up and going after having a bit of a rest. Yeah, and I think it also adds to the intrigue. It's what the AFL want. They want these sorts of debates and discussions you know, right around the country on players' availability or whether they should or shouldn't have the buy. It does allow, during the course of this week a total attention in on to, you know, the the individual AFL player awards, the All-Australian. We, we've seen that last night. We'll come to that in a, in a short period of time. But I, I sort of also feel if they're going to do that, that this week should be about the Brownlow medal as well. The Brownlow should be counted somewhere mm. this week, this Friday night, for instance, whatever. But uh, I, 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 in terms of the time off, I mean, right here in our town, we have probably the biggest story about whether the time off is beneficial to Nathan Fife or not, whether Nathan Fife should be training this week in a weekend of bye for AFL and therefore the, the, the rest weekend for the finals. Should he play with Peel? Should he train at Coburn and train for you know near on two hours in, in match simulation as best he can? Has he done enough in recent... It's not as if Nathan Fife has been playing for the last five or six weeks and the rest helps him replenish and recuperate ready for a finals campaign, it, it leaves him probably even more vulnerable to, to more injury. So mm. the, the biggest story 
in the AFL. I can't think of another one. I mean, Jeremy Cameron trained yesterday, trained well after having some hamstring trouble. Uh, So in particular, there are some big names. It's going to give Dusty Martin an extra week to become fresher and stronger. It looks as though Martin is ready to play for Richmond next Thursday night. Uh, Trained well over the weekend, trained well early this week. So I think those blokes are just about ready to go anyway. Nathan Fife's not. Nathan Fife's not ready to go. He still needs match conditioning. And I, I think Nathan Fife, when you look at it, when when Justin Longmuir came out early this week to say, we're not going to send him back to Peel. We think no, it's a bit too much of a risk for Nathan mm. Fife to go back to there. Please, isn't not playing this week and then playing against the Bulldogs in a night game, in a cutthroat elimination final, even more suspect that he could break down or, or yeah. something go wrong. It, it doesn't make him more vulnerable. They're too great a risk. So they've ruled him out. But so Nathan's played now by the time he plays on Saturday week, as I look at it, I, I think he's had one full game of footy in seven weeks. Mm. So the biggest story about the rest weekend, I think he's right here in our town, Nathan Fife. Is he going to be right? And the other one, we, we have discussed it before. Is his current form, is his current plight such that he's in, Nathan Fife, Fremantle's preferred best 22 to be able to beat the Bulldogs? Yeah. And the other big question is, no doubt he'll play forward, you'd think. Tabana, Lob, Logue, if they're all ready to go and they're all fit to play and Fife plays as well, and he's guaranteed they're saying he's going to play. Mm-hmm. What do you do with the other three and how do you mix it all up? That's going to be the big contention. You think Tabano will be no. the fourth cab I, off the rack? Yeah, yeah. He, he, I, I'm he'd, be, he'd be the less favourable. So you go with Lob, Logan, Fife in that forward line and Tabano won't play. That that would be how I'm reading things because, I mean, Matthew Tabano, again, a, a little bit similar to Nathan Fife. The longer the season's gone, the less footy they've, they've been able to play. Now, and now Tabano... Um, He's just had the 13 games this season, Pete, in three stints. And he's only averaging the nine possessions a game anyway. It's not mm. as if he's been blowing blowing things off the park. And he, he's 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 made he's kicked the 23 goals. Now, since he's round five, seven goals against Essen, he's managed just 12 goals in, ten, in his last 10 games. So Tabana, again, probably even ignoring the calf trouble that he's trying to overcome to be available for selection next week, He's he's still somewhat of a risk even on form because he hasn't played enough football. Yeah. So they've got. So I, I think I think Logue and Lob will be fit. I think they've already started to show those signs this week, and that, and again they become massive stories, particularly in our town next week mm. because it's a lead up to that. It's, it's it's the old waffle grand final type because we've got an AFL game with Fremantle and the and the theatre about Fremantle first time in in seven years that they're back there. So I think Lob is okay. He's back in training with his shoulder trouble. I think Logue looks okay with his groin. He looks all right. And he has to be a, pl- a floater off the bench. Um, and probably even, as we've said, probably that pinch hitting Ruckman. Um, and that Darcy goes up against English. You know, Logue goes in as, as the backup Ruckman because Lob isn't going to want to do that with his shoulder. Or is Lob okay for next week? If he, is his shoulder recovered enough to be able to play his normal preferred role? So that, that puts uh, Lloyd Meek back onto the trade table for mine. Even though he's contracted, he, he goes back, sitting back, waiting to see what his future is uh, and whether he can get some. It, there is some interest around on, on Lloyd, Lloyd Meek from other clubs. Mm-hmm. GWS, for instance, you know, who, who are crying out for a lead Ruckman. 
And if he went somewhere, he's 24, played the 14 games. He's just the backup. Jackson, Luke Jackson goes to Fremantle. I've got a little bit of news on that too. Just That might be a spanner in the works. Yeah, well just, just hang on, um, Matt, because we'll release that. We've got some more news on Luke Jackson, by the way. Uh, so we're going to deliver that a bit later you, on in so, the program. No, I think Tabin, like you've indicated there, is probably the fourth in line there. Yeah. If you go a pecking order, it's, it's lob back, it's Logue there as well, and Fife as the full forward, effectively. Okay. What about this last night? Your thoughts? To be, to be voted by your peers is... Um, I guess it's one of the highest honours for sure. Um, yeah, I guess I I and my coaching staff, we think, you know, I'm doing everything I can each week. But then to to um, hear from, I guess, the whole league that you're really um, damaging each week and um, doing something very right, uh, it's a really, really cool feeling. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, probably the biggest achievement I've had so far in my career. That's Andrew Brayshaw, yeah. of course, MVP for the AFL Players Association. That is a huge endorsement by his peers. Uh, I don't think he saw it coming. I'm not sure many saw it coming. And, of course, the big conjecture is today, MVP, but uh, you start on the interchange bench when it comes to the All-Australian. How did you view that? The first thing I'll say is the Australian selectors didn't see it coming either. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have picked the most valuable player in the competition, voted by the AFL Players Association, bunch of 880-something mm. Australian football, Aussie rules footballers that form the AFL. You wouldn't have put him starting on the bench if you'd known he was going to win that award. Yeah. It's like in 2019 uh, when Nathan Fife went on to win the Brownlow. When the Australian selectors had finished their meeting in Melbourne that particular Tuesday, corresponding Tuesday of, of this, say, equal to last week, where they were in Melbourne for the, for the vote... They were about to go and, and Gillan McLaughlin said, okay, now Nathan Fife will be captain. And apparently Kevin Bartlett said, well, well no, we, we vote on the captain. And Gillan McLaughlin insisted Nathan Fife will be captain. It took place. Nathan right. Fife was named as the 2019 All-Australian captain. And two weeks later, three weeks later, he's the Brownlow medalist by quite some margin, you know, with something like, I think, about 10 or 11, three best on ground votes. I, I, I'm... I don't know. It just seemed to me that uh, Gillan McLaughlin knew something. So I think with the most valuable player last night being named on the bench, the selectors couldn't have known. They can now say he's a versatile player, and you do rotate. I mean, David Mundy starts on the bench pretty much every game, every quarter now. So does Joel Selwood start on the bench. So, so the bench is a bit of an old... Uh, you, you and me coming back to the reserve system, mm, Peter, or if you got mm. sent to the bench, it was uh, some degree of admonishment from your coach. Uh, it was for a penalty, but not anymore. Um, I was, what I will say about Andrew Brayshaw, highly deserve it. Highly deserve it. I, I'm a little bit surprised, though, that he's won the most valuable player when invariably that gets seems, seemingly voted on the other players as the best player. I mean, Andrew Brayshaw is the most valuable player at Fremantle. I, I agree with that. Yeah. But I also think the likes of Scott Pendlebury, Max Gorn, Tom Lynch at Richmond, Tom Hawkins at Geelong, they're their team's most valuable players. And you can make argument for others because that's what all of this is about. A lot of it's subjective. But I, I was a little bit surprised that he should be seen at, by, the, by his peers when you've got Clayton Oliver and Lockie Neal. Uh, but there must particular. be something the players have seen collectively yep. for him to win it that perhaps... We don't from the outside. Maybe they see something when they're playing against him that maybe uh, springs it to mind. Maybe he does something that, you know, the others don't do because he's a great defensive midfielder. Well, I think he's, that... a great, he's a hard runner. He's a good attacking midfielder as well. 
So I'm just wondering, he covers a lot of meterage in a game. He's, he's a real gut-busting runner, isn't he? He is, and he's brave. And that's something that all the, 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 everyone in the AFL and everyone who adores it recognises. I mean, he doesn't complain. He's not someone who gets bashed around the no. shoulders or goes for a ball and gets taken out by a, a tagger, doesn't get held on to by taggers and squeal and scream and complain to umpires. Oh, what about me? Oh, have yeah. a look at that umpire. Yeah. He doesn't. No, he just gets on with the job. I think you touched on it, though, there. Where, where I reckon Andrew Brayshaw is, is different now to most of the other big-name midfielders, except Oliver. Oliver does get back quickly into mm. defence when they haven't got possession of the ball because he's invariably so too like the likes of Ed Langdon. They're, that's one of Melbourne's strengths. Their midfield boys do defend when they haven't got possession of the – when they're not in possession of the football. Andrew Brayshaw sort of has set the trend on that, has very much set the trend on that. And I thought we saw Clayton Oliver indicate that last night when he sort of said, look, one thing he does do, he said he, he just covers the ground when they haven't got the football, they're yeah. not in possession. So, But that's one of Fremantle's strengths, is that, and that's where I think they can get the Bulldogs next week, is that the likes of Brayshaw and Sharon, they do work. They're, they're not just the offensive run-forward uh, midfielders. I think a lot of the other uh, players that get so much accolade uh, are. These boys have got, and that's one of three mental strengths, and I think they've been working on it since last November. Okay, let's go to the open line. Now, of course, uh, our regular, we love having a chat to her because she brings us some news occasionally as well. Hello, Lisa. How are you? Hi, Peter. Hi, Kim. Hello, Lisa. Yeah, good, thanks. I hope you guys have had a good week. Um, yeah, yeah, well, have you heard that um, Junior Rioli's signing a three-year contract with the Eagles? Not three years. I thought it was going to be a two years. But, Lisa, you, you, you well, go on. Continue to break the news. Well, apparently it's three years. <laughs> yep. And also hearing, hearing that um, Belly might be off to North Melbourne as CEO. Peter Bell from Fremantle or Gavin Bell from yeah. West Coast? <laughs> no, Peter, 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 no, Peter Bell. Ah. I think that... Which pe- I, reckon, I reckon it'd be a good get for North Melbourne if he went. One thing I, we, I think we need to clarify there is that I think Ben Armafio is is a, a bloke with a big target on his back. He's on his way out. He's not going to survive uh, what's gone on at North Melbourne. And it's the it's same as Xavier Campbell. You know, once once the, the skittle started to fall in what was happening at Essendon, you could see other people were going to go. And I think uh, Josh Marnie, who's the football manager at Essendon, will also get the squeeze as well. Yeah. So, but if, uh, And Peter Bell is right in with, he's good mates with, and they all they all are very very close, stayed close in terms of business and ex footy uh, sto- footy stories to share. He's riding with those that are now running the revival, intended revival of, of North Melbourne. So you could be onto something there, Lisa. Good on you, Lisa. Okay, and what you. about what about the All Australian? Um, you want yeah, to have a chat about that? Yeah, just yeah, just about the um, All Australian last night. A- Andy Brayshaw, as, as you touched on, Haggers MVP, sitting on the interchange bench. Um, Tom Barras, no show. And um, you can howl me down if you want, boys, but I think it's about time that they brought the same rule into the All-Australian as the Brownlow. If you get rubbed out, you do not get into the All-Australian squad. You know, you've got Tom Stewart in the back line. Mm. He got four weeks for, for his, you know, brutal smack on Prestia. Stephen May gets into a, you know, into a stash with one of his teammates in, in, a, in a restaurant. He got a week... And he and he gets the All Australian jacket. 
Mm. You know, I just I just don't think that's right. Yeah, good on you, Lisa. We'll discuss that. Uh, you put up a very interesting point. I'd like to get other people's thoughts on it as well. I've got my opinion, and I'll share it uh, with you, and Hag has got his opinion on it as well. Do you agree with Lisa or not? Give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota open line, 13 12 55, or on the Tempera Bedshed text line. And that number, if you don't know it already, is 0487 736 736.